Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I believe that, you know through the correlation of color psychology, the chakras, and the aura itself, that there is a massive correlation between each color. Like each color universally kind of means and represents the same thing to people. Now, granted, your relationship with a certain color might be very different than somebody else, but that means you probably psychologically worked on it consciously or subconsciously. But I believe we all have color intuition and that this lives within us, and there's an opportunity to strengthen this. Hello, and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast with me, your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. This show is about giving you a pause to nurture and nourish your mind, body, and soul. Each week, I speak to world experts, authors, scientists, and inspirational leaders to share their wisdom and advice so we can all live better from the inside out and reach our full potential. I hope you join me on the journey. In this episode, I'm speaking to the stylist Susanna Merrick, who isn't your typical stylist, but an energy stylist and the founder of AuraWare. She helps thousands of women globally use their wardrobes to change their energy and transform their life. Susanna is also a spiritual coach and energy reader and brings these practices into her styling process. I hope you enjoy learning about how your choice of clothes can impact your mind, body and soul more than you first might think. Let's jump in. What would you say a favorite quote is of yours and and why do you return to it? Oh, well, recently I have been really sitting with this quote. It's a quote by Pablo Picasso, uh, but it's the quote that says, um, the meaning of life is to find your gifts. The purpose of life is to give it away. And I think that's really, really beautiful because I know as a human, I've really struggled to kind of find my purpose and my meaning uh, in the day to day. And hearing that quote helps me understand that, you know, not only is it about 
finding what you know you're good at or what you love or what you're passionate about or finding your skills and your strengths those gifts can then be given out and really give you purpose through the work and i had heard somebody say once about you know really the meaning of life is to serve others and to and to instill in them the kind of happiness that you want to instill in yourself and it just that quote has always stuck with me but just recently it's been like kind of my mantra just to really live and to step into those gifts. God, I love that. And I have to say that resonates so much with me because I was having a bit of a freak out the other day on like, oh, what should I do? What's my next move? What should I do? And actually it was a similar thing where just asking yourself, well, how can I serve the best? It kind of grounds you for a second and you're like, oh, okay. I guess that gives me a route forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, I think what it is, and I grew up very religious and it was almost like ingrained in you to just, you have to give and serve until your cup is empty. And that was a guilt thing that kind of carried with me because I was always giving away too much of myself, too much to others. And then you kind of come into the wellness industry, especially in the last like 10, like, you know, decade. And there's a lot of mixed messages about, you know, self care. And what does that mean? And what does that look like, you know, but self care goes much deeper, you know, sometimes self care is examining parts of yourself, you don't necessarily want to see, right. But sometimes self care is really just being gentle and tender with yourself and taking time to yourself and not giving away your energy. So this quote to me is just really about balance, like, okay, what's the balance of giving and taking and receiving? Uh, what's a life lesson you've been reminded of? <laughs> I think it's just stepping into your confidence and like, what is, what is confidence? I think confidence really comes from a deeper place of just being happy and content. And this is something that I've really been cultivating and working on. And I always say, if you're living in ego, you're living, you know, in the future and you're worried and you're anxious. If you're living in the past, you know, you're living in almost sabotage mode because you're not allowing yourself to move forward. But when you can really start to kind of find peace and contentment, uh, that's where real, I really believe real confidence lies because then you can be confident in the little daily things as opposed to just the overall daily stresses and nuances of our life. So I can't wait to dive into your work. Um, it is so unique. I've never, ever heard of anyone who looks at clothes, colors, energy, and auras in the way that you do. But just to start simply, what yeah. is an aura? And what was the moment you knew you could see them and knew what they were? So we have this understanding of the physical admission that comes out of our body. So this is what we call our aura. I believe that there is a physical aura and then there is an emotional, conscious, spirit, what have you, aura. And so when it came to the physical aura, this is this is the anxiety we feel sometimes. This is a shakiness we get when we have too much coffee. This is the hormones we have in our body. This is the goosebumps we get when we experience an emotion. Um, but I found it very interesting that our hormones seem to be kind of the connecting factor to really understanding the aura. And I always say there are certain times in that 28 day cycle of the month um, that us as women, our estrogen is higher and our testosterone is lower or vice versa. And that we seem to have higher senses and perception. And what's interesting about higher senses and perception, this is how we as women kind of cultivate clarity, right? Men too, of course, but we cultivate clarity. And what's interesting about clarity is that's the clairs, 
So the clairs are what they consider to be your, your um, intuitive or uh, spiritual or psychic gifts, right? Clairtangence being touch, clairsendience being field, um, claircognancy being a knowing, like a wisdom, right? Um, clairaudience, a hearing, and um, clairvoyance, vision. So each of these gifts are heightened senses, right? And once I started to understand that, I started to understand how my gifts kind of came into play, how they intertwined. Um, but it really is kind of like analyzing someone's energy when I do a reading. Wow. And we kind of like understand what that energy means. And since I'm clairsendient, it's all about reading what it feels like in my body, my interpretation, right? So orange on you now might mean something completely different in six months, but it's important what it means for you now in that moment. And I think a big misconception about aura or, or our auras, if you will, is that we have one color that is just simply personality diagnosis. Now you can love a color, relate to a color. There are lots of psychological traits that come with each color, which is a universal language. But us as human beings, our aura is constantly changing. We're like chameleons. And I always say, you can change your mind, you can change your aura. <laughs> Can you give us an example of what there, are, what kind of different auras are there? And at what age were you like, huh, I'm seeing colors come out of someone. Is that normal? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because I really, and especially in the last year, I've really been able to understand my gift a little bit more. And one of the messages I received when going on this journey is just like, be open, don't be too tied to whatever it is, because this is a journey for you as well, as you learn how to step into this unnavigated territory of energy reading. And so when I was a child, I experienced colors around people and energy. And it wasn't in the way that was like, oh, I see pink or I see blue, because those colors immediately would give me a feeling. And as a child, I was very sensitive to energy. So I would either be kind of overwhelmed or excited by other people's energy or, and I had um, ADD, I was very ADD as a child to the point where they thought I had behavioral issues, but I was, because I was so easily stimulated by energies and people and just things going on that I was constantly kind of like, right. And that's the thing about ADHD and ADD that people don't quite understand to the full capacity. They think it's just a attention span thing. It's actually more about the emotions and the uh, levels of emotions that you can experience within a short period of time. And so this was kind of, I believe, part of the reason I was experiencing energies in this way. But as a child, you know, unless it excited me or I liked someone's energy, I tended, I would tend to like hide behind my mom or you know, and this was the first time I remember we were like on a bus going somewhere and there was somebody in the bus and it was just like not a good experience. My mom was just like, I was like clinging to her leg. I think I was probably four. I kept like clinging to her leg in the back. My mom was like, get off. Like what's going on? And there was a man in front of us and we like got off the bus. And I just was like, my mom was like, why are you so scared? Like what's wrong? And my mother was very, very intuitive as well. And I remember her kind of looking at him and then we got in the car and, you know, kids, we pay attention to everything. You think we're not listening or kids are listening, but we always were, you know, and they are. And I remember my parents talking about it. My mom being like, I think she could send something was really wrong with him or, you know, so it was kind of the first time I kind of was like a little bit aware. And then I had some other experiences where I saw orbs and I had an experience once where I thought I was staring at the sun. Like that's how I kind of cocked it up now as an adult. But like, you can't stare at the sun. It was just this like really interesting, like 
orb floating at me while I was in my car seat as a kid. And I just remember the feeling I got from it was like, and I even I can dip into it now. It was just like such a magical, special feeling. And I do kind of chalk that up to being, a, you know, a spirit or an angel um, protecting me in some capacity. But yeah, I had these little experiences. But to be honest, by the time I was a teenager, I kind of was just like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's your imagination. Just like, mm. let it go. But one of the things I really learned in what I work with my students, because I specifically work with individuals looking to kind of step into their spiritual gifts um, and add those into their business while I'm not styling. It was something, it's kind of a side passion project. But what I learned through that, Poppy, is that whether it is your imagination or it's some sort of divine spiritual experience, what can come through is so powerful mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter where it's coming from. And if you as a human can kind of get out of the way of that and just step into that gift, that's where the magic and the power really happens. Do you think that you can kind of, I guess, put yourself in a situation where it's easier to allow that to come through? Like in your experience, what prevents us from being more clear or more intuitive and what behaviors are prohibiting potentially more of us from accessing these gifts that I'm sure far more people have than they don't even realize they have? Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's a couple different factors. First of all, we're very much on the cusp of really understanding energy. You know, I, I mm. tell people all the time, I'm like, I didn't reinvent the wheel with AuraWare. I'm just taking an opportunity to take something that's we're all learning together and then apply it to the wardrobe and closet and apply it to your personal expression. And I think we can get so caught up in big, big vision and things ahead of us that that can really start to put our analytical brain in cats. That's where anxiety comes in. That's when things start to happen. So the more we can be present and content, the more we can really honor those gifts as they come in. I mean, intuition is so subtle. It's so subtle. It is so quiet. You have to really be listening to hear it. And those gifts, it's like, they're so subtle. You know, they'll come through in so many different ways. I tell so many of my students, I'm like, if you get a message or something comes through, write it down and fight the urge to like analyze everything, just let it go because it will come back to you. And it always does. And then you're able to give that gift forward. I do a lot of lucid dreaming work before sessions, just at night. I love to do lucid dreaming work and do it in the morning. Oh, sorry. What, what is lucid dreaming and how do you do it? Oh, lucid dreaming is a wonderful tool. It is essentially uh, the opportunity to be able to control what you're visualizing and seeing in your dreams. And it's a great tool for creativity. It is a great tool for, you know, kind of going through some anxious situations in your life, but you have to really practice. And I will tell you, it's taken me many, many years to be able to really step in and be able to have some interaction in my dreams. Um, But what it is essentially, there's a period when you are in your REM cycle of sleep. You know, when you wake up sometimes at like five in the morning Mm -hmm. and then uh, you're kind of just like in and out, but that's actually the time that you dream the most. Mm -hmm. And um, any rate, what I do is, and I do it at night, but I also set an alarm in the morning at like 4.35 and I turn on the alarm and then I turn on like a guided meditation or a lucid dreaming guided meditation. And through that, you're able to basically put your body to sleep, but keep your mind awake a little bit. I know it's kind of a little mm-hmm. <laughs> strange, but you're able to then be able to visualize and see. And when this happens, I get such beautiful messages and I'm able to then take those messages to my sessions. And sometimes in the beginning, I'll be like, okay, I know this message is for someone. 
and I get a little anxious because I'm like, who is it for? Am I going to give it to the wrong person? Or, but I always just like take a deep breath and go, you know what? Like the information will come through to the right person. And it always, always finds the right person. It's pretty spectacular. So you kind of wake yourself up at five, just so you can kind of have that, like that snoozing time, I guess, from five to seven. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I have like techniques. I'll share one really quickly, but I have yeah. a technique where I like to, you close your eyes, you visualize the whole room around you, every detail, you tap into the senses of it. Maybe there's a lamp on your table, you know, and you, or maybe it has some sort of encryption on it. You can touch that, or you see your curtain on the wall, you feel that in your mind, or maybe you start to manipulate things a little bit, you make the move. And then I always put a little crack in the corner of my ceiling. And that crack, then eventually, once I've painted the whole room in my mind, I feel very relaxed in my body. I then start to go into the crack. And then that's when kind of the dreams start to unfold. Wow. <laughs> okay, this is brilliant. I'm, I've, Guys, please email and message in about if you can try some of these techniques and if you can practice lucid dreaming, just like we've just heard, because that would be great to hear what everyone's like, experience of that is. So in a normal reading, like what would happen if someone came to see you? Like what, what is the experience and what would you say? Maybe is there such things as a damaged aura? Like someone who was, I don't know, like if you've gone through a tremendous amount of pain, what would that look like? And what would, you know, someone who has just got married and they're super happy or I don't know, like, you know, just got a new job and they're thrilled. Like what is the experience like and what kind of do you see in the different people you read? Yeah. So when it comes to a damaged aura, I always say when it comes to a broken moment in your life, a moment of heartache or a moment of just navigating a difficult season, you know, that can feel like there's no coming back from it, mm-hmm. you know, but really our bodies, our minds, they are capable of so much. And if we really invest in our healing and when you're going to see someone like myself, you've probably already gone to the therapist, you've done the other mm-hmm. things, like you're just investing more time into your well-being. Um, and so I really try to keep that a safe place. And I always say it's a loving place. It's a, and a place where I'm, I'm not here to judge or to, you know, hinder you in your growth. And I always, before I give difficult information, or if it comes up, I always say, you know, permission, is it okay if I share this with you? This is what I'm experiencing. And I really make sure to deliver it in a really simple way. And it can end up being a powerful message. But most of the time, people say things like, I already knew that I knew that. Thank you for saying it. I just needed a reminder. But as far as being broken, yes, your aura can be a little bit on the more dim side, right? And when you think about physical energy, if you've ever had your aura photographed, you put your hands on those, yeah, those electric magnetic plates. I mean, it's so fascinating. And it measures the frequency of vibration of energy in your body. The higher the frequency that's going to be your yellows, your orange, your reds, right? The lower the frequency that's going to be your blues, your indigos, your violets. And as you move up the scale, But what's fascinating is that physical energy, sometimes can just be that physical, anxious, anxiety, you know, something that's going on, um, too much coffee. (laughs) And when it comes to our emotions, we don't always wear our hearts on our sleeves. We don't always Mm. have our spirit outside of us. So I do believe they're two separate things. I worked with an aura photographer last year, and I used to just kind of believe that I saw like I had more receptors or cones and I just actually saw the radiation. I used to really believe this and I would see people and they come in and their colors would be different from when I'd see them or be talking to them as they were photographed. And I thought that was kind of interesting. 
But what I've learned through that is that we are just dynamic beings. We are just in interesting, intricate beings and we'll never fully understand that. But ultimately our auras can be bright and bold. If you're, you know, you're about to get married or you're about to go through this crazy season of your life. And that right there, honestly, is the reason I started doing AuraWare because I saw this experience when I was working with styling clients. I found that if they weren't happy in their mm. closet, in their life, they weren't happy with their clothes, they weren't happy with their body, they weren't happy with anything. And I was like, okay, this is much deeper than just not liking like the 15 pounds you think you gained, right? And, but when I would see someone going through a big moment or a transition, um, I had a client, she was a, a about to be a bride and she was like, you know, we were packing for her trip and uh, for her honeymoon and like all the things. And it was just like such an experience. It was so fun because she would pick up the clothes. She'd go, oh yeah, I could see myself wearing this at dinner. Oh, this is gonna be what I wear on the plane. And like, there was just this painting of a picture happening in her head. And I was like, that's it. Like, that's what clothes are meant to do for us. Clothes actually help us improve our energy. Clothes actually kind of help us like visualize in, in a sense, kind of moments that we want to create. Absolutely. So our aura is a field, right? That of feelings, of emotions. We as humans read other people's energy all the time. And this is, a, you know, well, how you interpret that energy, depending on your senses, is a little different. And that's where your gifts come in, right? But ultimately, we all kind of pick up on people's vibes, the energy they're putting out, good or bad. And I really believe that we're kind of coming into this place where we're starting to learn and understand that everything is energy. Everything is matter. It exists. They, they say that, like, when you die, like, your body, like, gets a little lighter, and I really believe that matter, that energy that goes, that's your spirit. I really do believe that. But this is just a key that we're starting to put into this lock to unfold what is energy. And I just simply am asking folks and through the work of AuraWare to look at each of these energies, understand them as a, as a mood or understand them as a feeling or understand them as what we're wanting to express and learn how to use it as a tool to really start to carve out what you want to feel and how you want to express yourself on the day to day. So you use colors a lot to be able to kind of like support your aura, I guess. How does color do this? What sort of colors do different things? And do you get worried when you see the black brigade? When, <laughs> I, and I have to say, I'm so guilty. I wear black so much. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear about kind of your work with colors. Yeah, okay, so there's kind of two big pillars here when it comes to AuraWare. There is color that we use medicinally. So color, this is not, I didn't reinvent the wheel on this. This has been used for hundreds of thousands of years, the energetics of color being healing, right? But I believe that, you know, through the correlation of color psychology, the chakras, and the aura itself, what I'm learning from it, that there is a massive correlation between this each color like each color universally kind of means and represents the same thing to people. Now, granted, your relationship with a certain color might be very different than somebody else, but that means you probably psychologically worked on it consciously or subconsciously. You Maybe you relate the color to your mom or you relate it to an experience, but I believe we all have color intuition and that this lives within us and there's an opportunity to strengthen this. So at AuraWare, we believe that each color of the aura has an aesthetic that goes with it. 
So I'll give you an example. If you have, if you're calling in or seeking more pink energy, right? Pink is all about compassion, tenderness, sweetness, self-care. It's the millennial pink. We're like literally the generation, right? Of pink and self-cares and selfies. But when you have this energy, it's very feminine. You know, you're wanting to maybe step in and be a little bit more girly, put on a little lipstick and do your hair and have curls or lace or bows. Um, now, this may not be your aesthetic all the time, but there might be a moment where you just feel that energy um, and you want to embody that. So and then, of course, there's other energies like red, right? Red is all about being sensual and sexy. We all know these things, fiery, passionate. But what does that look like when you're getting dressed? I think it's a balance of stepping into your feminine uh physical form, but then also balancing that with something very structured. Maybe it's a leather jacket or maybe it's a tailored blazer because that's the power part of it. So it's really about having femininity on your terms, right? So you can still feel really sexy and put together, but then like really powerful at the same time. So I believe each of the colors have this, right? And then I believe that there is color we use to heal ourselves in a season or to remind ourselves of something that we want to feel or that we want to bring in. You know, we already know that blue, blue is a calming color. It's a serene color. It's a color that can really start to bring our anxiety down, literally bring down the free radicals in our body and help us feel a little bit more grounded. Um, but how do we intentionally work with those colors? So I've kind of developed this fun system to how to use color and rituals throughout the week. I focus on one color a week. I encourage my clients, when you get a session with me, you get a color palette of colors that either reflect your aura or colors that we're calling into your aura that you want to kind of shape shift and change into your aura or heal your aura, if you will. And then we get those colors and there's a few steps. You write about that color. You form a relationship with that color. We talk together to find words that relate to that color for you. And then you start to do what we call spirit writing, right? You just start to write how it feels. What would it feel like to have more confidence? What would it feel like to be more independent? Where can you infuse this in your life? And while you're writing it, you're putting those feelings into your body. And then you meditate around the color. When you say meditate around the color, yeah. what does that mean? So essentially what we're wanting to do is that you're wanting to do two things at the same time. You're wanting to be able to visualize the color, see it with your eyes and print it in your brain. And then also be able to bring your beta state down to alpha theta. Because if you can do that while visualizing the color, you're more susceptible to receiving from the color, right? Or if you don't believe that it's actually energetically doing anything for you, that's fine. It's also just a matter of imprinting what that color means at the same time for you. And how long will that take? And how long would that meditation, meditating on the color take? Absolutely. It really depends on the person. You know, for me, I'll really start to run it through my body, just start to get those thoughts really down. And once I run it through my whole body, I always kind of can tell because my lips will get a little buzzy. My jaw will feel nice and loose. And really what we're doing essentially is that we're kind of rewiring those neurons we're instilling what we want to feel from that color consciously or subconsciously. So I really like to say that it's intentional work to call in what you're desiring, almost kind of like manifesting, if you will. So then every time I'm like drinking out of my blue mug, if I'm intentionally working with the color blue that week, I not only look at this mug and go, oh, yes, this is what I'm calling in. I'm calling in serenity right now and devotion and trust for myself. But I also kind of sometimes just look at it and will subconsciously do that. And that's the kind of the cool thing about color. Color has this really subconscious effect on us. And there's so many case studies that show this. One of my favorite case studies is from, it's a title of a book. The book is called 
Drunk Tank Pink. And it is a kind of a Freakonomics book uh, just on interesting things and connections. Um, but what they, the title comes from is a police station that paints their cells pink or painted their cells pink. And they believe that it calmed the drunks down. So at night, when all the drunks would come in, they'd throw them in this cell and this bubblegum hot pink, like or bubblegum, you know, Pepto-Bismol pink cell. And they believe that it really calmed them down. And studies show that, that men have this kind of different effect with pink. So pink actually has this kind of like, they did these muscle memory tests with men and it, they would be weaker when they were looking at the color pink. And wow. oddly enough, women would be stronger. So this, so there's really this kind of interesting effect that pink has. And now if you think about how society's embraced it as a color of gender, right? And now we're, we're moving into a new type of like exploring of genders and colors, which I think is going to be amplified by the more people kind of have color intuition and knowledge. But it is fascinating how this color kind of has this effect on men and women. So I would love to go through a couple of maybe scenarios that can happen in life and then for you to say what color you'd be leaning into wearing to be able to kind of like help you through that situation. Absolutely. Okay, so let's say you're just feeling really anxious and panicky and just not with yourself. Well, a couple colors. Like, I think um, it's so funny. We talked about black. You talked about black earlier and wearing black. Actually, that's the question I often get from people. Is my owner black or is black bad? <laughs> and in fact, I love black. I think it can be such a great healing color. It's a color of protection. It is a color of it kind of just reserving your energy. You don't want people to see and experience you all the time. It's a color that can make you feel confident. Uh, when you're not feeling so confident, it's a color that can kind of calm down your nervous system. Because one of the things that when it comes to being nervous or anxious, right, depending on if you're very empathic, and you have a lot of, you know, feel a lot of other people's emotions, black can be this kind of color that can help you feel safe, right, and protected. I also love the color blue. Blue is just one of those, you know, it's probably the most well known when it comes to calming our physical being. But yeah, I think those two colors are really the two that can really kind of help you in that state and time. What about your dating? Yes. Oh, this is <laughs> now this can be this can be as, you know, surface or as deep as you want it, depending on what you're calling in. And I work with clients, too, when we're talking about what type of partner we're manifesting or who we want to attract. There are certain colors you can really wear to just kind of spark that part of them. There are a couple like psychological colors that can just, we all know very well, like, you know, most of the primary colors and things, most people have a relationship with or like some sort of, you know, a psychological experience with like, think about advertising, you know, there are certain colors used like banks always use blue, because it's all about trust, you know, or they use green, because it's about abundance and growth and money, right? It reminds you of these things. But when you're dating, I think it's really about what you what you want in a partner. And so when you look in your closet, you go, I just really want somebody who's like stands out, who speaks his mind, who's powerful, wear red, like wear red, because then they're going to see you and see those parts of you. And you're going to remind them of that, you know, or wear or wear green. If you're like looking to really find value and in, in conversation and, you know, someone with someone who's interested in kind of digging out more of an intellect with you, that green's going to help kind of start that conversation or bring that energy to the table. 
If you're starting a new job, like what would you actually uh, advise people in the workplace, for example? Yeah. Okay. Definitely, definitely green. Even though we just said it the last one, green, green, green. Green is about, you know, balance and it's about, it reminds people of nature and it's calming too, of course, but also it's the color of money. What about um, going through a breakup? Because I feel like you're so tender and it's easy to go dive into black, but is there other colors that we should be involving in that time? So depending on the breakup, depending on, you know, if you wanted it to end or they wanted to, you know, it's always complicated. It's never just cut and dry, but there can be a, a feeling of low self-worth during that process. There can also be a feeling of doubt. And so I think the colors I would recommend at that time is not only just yellow, because yellow reminds us that there's joy, there's hope, there's optimism, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but also that kind of same, that pale, sweet, gentle pink, that's just going to bring compassion, tenderness, and, and remind you that, you know, there are, romance is a privilege, but it's something that we can always cultivate again. Oh, I want to, I want to frame that. That is so like, oh. lovely to, <laughs> to remind yourself of. I read one of your brilliant blog posts. Your website is excellent. And obviously I'll put your website and all your details in the show notes so people can check it out. But there was one blog post in particular that really made me laugh. Um, and <laughs> it, it's called The Hot Girl Hangover. Um, why did you write this? And please talk us through HGH. Yes. Oh my goodness. So um, hot girl hangover was a phrase I coined in an interview I did with a woman, um, Emily Gould. She's a fantastic author and writer. She interviewed me for Elle magazine and uh, I got to kind of really know her on a personal level through this interview. And, you know, she was talking about an experience she had where she was like, you know, when I was young and I was working at Vogue and walking in, I felt so good. And I was this and that. And in the same flip of the token, she says, but I was miserable and I didn't know myself and like my emotions were all over the place, you know, and I said, interesting. And then now she was talking about all of her accomplishments. She had a, you know, New York best time seller. She had another book coming out and all this stuff. And she was sitting there in like a flannel shirt and jeans. And she's like, but I have a stain on it for my son. Like, and it was so funny because I'm going, okay, so like younger self would be so proud of you right now. And younger self would be like, why are you not dressing to impress? Why are you not dressing to your value and worth right now? And so that's what kind of I jokingly said to her, like, oh, girl, you got a hot girl hangover. Like you're hung up on that old body, that old self, that old vision of yourself. But the reality is like it robs you from experiencing who you are right now and being able to step into those accomplishments. And when you think about it, you know, as we get older and, and maybe a lot of your listeners can relate if they have kids or you want to heal those old wounds that our, our mothers and grandmothers and caretakers like instilled in us about our bodies, because ugh, as women, we are just told exactly how we're supposed to look your success, your worth, your value is all on your looks. And it's just simply not true. And, you know, really kind of stepping into your, your body, owning it, not in this like body positivity way, but in this body neutrality way, where you're just like, this is my vessel. It takes care of me. It feeds me. It, it keeps me safe. How can I make it feel good and make myself look good in the process? And so really what the cure is to hot girl hangover is just tuning in now and stop romanticizing that old version of yourself. I always say you're like, you're, you choose a path. You're either stylish or you're like, oh, no, no, I don't do fashion. 
And I just think it's BS. You as a human, your right is to be fashionable and to feel good and to have taste and to cultivate that and to be proud of your taste because it expresses part of you. I have a friend who says something really funny. She always says she can always spot someone's best decade of their life based off of their style. <laughs> and I think that's very true. If you think about some people in your life, you know that like, especially when women, when they get older, they get stuck in one style, right? Yeah. And the reality is because that was maybe the best decade of their life. But like, what did you love about that decade? What did you love about that time that inspired your style now? And how can you continue to evolve with that? Gosh, you've hit so many points. And, you know, everything you do ties into, you know, our ability to have self-worth and self-esteem and be like, we deserve to be looking after us. And um, what I love is that your work takes fashion into a mental wellness perspective over, you know, like when I grew up, I think there was quite a lot of toxicity and actually kind of been quite triggered by fashion, not feeling like you fit in, dressing almost to have external acceptance over self-acceptance. Like what has been like your journey in that in taking fashion from maybe this performative uh, place that it's been for a lot of people and actually bringing it in to be a tool for self-nurture? I come from a long line of women who were always told they were fashionable and it became a character trait. But each of our aesthetics were all very different. And it's interesting because my mother used to kind of try to control my aesthetic. I know many of you can probably relate to that. But I was, this was a part of my confidence building growing up. I was told I was fashionable and I was stylish and I had good taste. And every time you're told it, you know, you step into that energy a little bit more. And I think that there's some real power in that. I think that you can really see these things in certain people, right? Like if you've been told you're a great athlete and then you grow up one day to become a professional athlete mm-hmm. or, if you, you know, there, there's a lot of strength in this kind of language. And, and really what it is, though, is each of these pillars are a form or a way of access to our mental health and our wellness, you know, and like I just was finding that nobody was doing that probably for um, fashion, like nobody. I really don't believe one. we have one style. I just don't think that's true. I just think that we have different styles and different seasons, different needs. You know, sometimes I want to be more boyish and masculine in my clothes. Sometimes I want to be more soft and feminine. Sometimes I just want to be not seen or comfortable. Sometimes I want to be, feel really put together and organized. I and, mean, you know, you can, you can really start to kind of cultivate these things in your closet, depending on what mentally you need at that moment. So another healing element of fashion, which I think goes hand in hand with, you know, often we think about fashion, which is about, you know, acquiring clothes that make Mm -hmm. us feel good, but also deleting clothes and getting rid of clothes that don't make us feel good is kind of the other side of things. So I loved reading about the closet cleanse because recently I've gone through a bit of a closet cleanse and I almost felt exhausted afterwards. What has been your experience of the closet cleanse? What is the importance of this in your work? What's the experiences that you've gone through when, you know, you've you've facilitated these closet cleanses? And what do you think the impact is on our well-being when we go through it? So our closet, I always say it's the health of our closet is so important. <laughs> everything, like it, it just started me on this journey, like exploring everything from a health and wellness point. Like, okay, you know, your wardrobe, your closet, your aesthetic is a way of expression. It is very much tied to our mental health and what we want people to see and experience from us. Um, but it's not frivolous. There's, it's intentional. And when you do a closet cleanse, it's about kind of evaluating, okay, what are your pieces? What are your joy pieces? What are the pieces that you got from your travels or trips? 
and maybe they are damaged or maybe they don't fit as well anymore. So what do we want to do? Do we want to save some of those things? You know, do we want to repurpose those things? Um, or do we want to thank them for what they've done for us and send them on their way, you know, and really make sure that we have our, our ducks in a row. Having the right basics is so important. You want to always be able to go and have a really good pair of jeans, t-shirt, blazer, things like that, building from that place up. And then, then that's when you really can start to play. You can start to incorporate things that bring you, bring you joy that'll light you up now and light you up in another decade. So before we go into the quick fire finished sentence round, I would just love to know where can people find you and in what capacity do you work with people and different services you offer? All of my services, everything has moved online because I don't do in-person appointments anymore due to the pandemic. Um, but all sessions are held over Zoom. And uh, we start with a consultation and aura reading a session from there. You kind of get the one-on-one, you get your colors, you get to learn about our systems. And then from there, I have different programs you can enroll in to do this work a little bit long-term. So when it comes to closet cleanses, we've actually kind of switched things over. I believe it's a process that I want to teach that full process. So um, with the AuraWare 101 program, you get not only a closet cleanse, you also get homework and assignments and shopping links to help you kind of find the right items for you. I then teach you how to style, how to put these things together, how to find your formulas um, and how to really find your colors that are going to work on your skin tone that are going to make you feel good. So that's a program you can go through. It goes over about a month and a half. So we have different sessions we meet throughout that month. Um, and then, yeah, you can find me on my website at NYC. Uh, and I love, love, love Instagram. We love to share. We focus on a color every month. And so each month you can learn all about the collective energy uh, and the energy around us. Okay. Absolutely amazing. So if you wouldn't mind finishing my sentence, I begin. That would be amazing. Ah. My mantra for life is? Always listen. Listen to yourself, your intuition. I manage disappointment by? Sitting with it. First thing in the morning, I drink coffee. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I celebrate by sitting in the joy of life and appreciating those moments, being present. Before I go to sleep, I I always say prayers and I always just count my blessings. One book I recommend everyone. Oh, Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert. A habit I love having in my life is Cooking with my husband. He's a chef, so we love to cook. Cooking meals at home. And if you really knew me, you would know. I am pretty provocative and <laughs> I'm a little sensational in the things I say, but I'm always coming from a place of love and compassion. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is so interesting, so informative. You break things down so well, so it's just oh, great. I love it. Well, thank you, Poppy. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Hold up. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.